Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. Hey, welcome back, Clever Investors, to the Clever Investor Show. I'm your lucky host, Cody Sperber, the OG Clever Investor. And today we got an absolute freaking rock star. In fact, he's better than a rock star. What's better than a rock star? I think maybe uh, a captain rock star? A, a, a sexy pilot. Right. Investor slash just complete entrepreneur badass. We got Ryan Secco in the studios right now. What's up, dude? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's welcome about to, time. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, we are two sexy investors right now, kicking it. And why you? Why? So you're rich, fit, and you're a pilot. That's right. You, and, but you know, you're you're in a relationship right now. But I bet you were just fighting them off you. Well, the thing is, you have to be in a relationship in Miami because otherwise, you just get distracted. They print them out here. They print. It's a, it, it's a thing. It's, it's, it's a, a thing. beautiful thing in Miami, yeah. folks. Uh, look, uh, Ryan, this show, I'm so ex excited that you're here. You have done such a great job building your personal brand lately. I first found out about you a few years ago. I started seeing you. You were Grant Cardone. You are Grant Cardone's yep. pilot, but yep. you were Grant Cardone's pilot at the time. You had a small real estate portfolio when you first met Grant of 20, 30 houses yep. indoors. And, um, and then I started seeing you get put in Grant's videos. And then I started realizing, oh, dude, this guy's a badass himself. Like yep. he's, he's a very talented entrepreneur and investor. Um, so this show's all about making money, having fun, making, multiplying your money, making it matter. And so I want to kind of unpack a little bit of your story because as we became friends, yep. I realized like you're multi-talented and uh, I think this could be a really great conversation for people. So first off, first question coming yeah. out of the gates. Yeah, yeah. How did you get started in real estate and get your first 21 doors? And then how did you meet Grant Cardone? Because you did you start off as a pilot and then get into real estate? So so I actually started out as a sales guy because he didn't even have a pilot or he didn't have an airplane yet. Grant was doing a podcast, Power Players. And he said, look, the most important thing is to get underneath the roof of somebody who you want to be like, right? My career in real estate started when I was 13 years old. My uncle was a builder in Fountain Hills. You know Scottsdale very okay. well. He was building homes. It was like, and, and I was mesmerized about timing because in real estate, you know, timing is very important, right? Um, but 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 I got into real estate and I was watching them build homes and I was like asking a bunch of questions, but I hit 17 years old and I realized, I, I was like, hey, I want to buy my first house. I want to buy my first investment. And he looked at me and he's like, son, you don't have any money. Like you have no money in the account. And I'm like, oh shit, what do I do? And at the time he bought a little Cessna which was a four passenger, little four uh, uh, piston, like little prop, right? And uh, he had always wanted to be a commercial airline pilot. And I had no idea, like when I was growing up, I was, I dropped out in 11th grade. I ended up going back and getting my, my, my diploma, but I was not the kid who people bet on to say, you are going to be the most successful individual uh, out of high school, right? Are you right? saying you weren't class valedictorian? I was not, I was, the, I was- <laughs> Me neither, so well, I, I get it. Well, because you and me are similar age, like entrepreneurs back 20 years ago, that wasn't actually the popular word. That was like, you're a loser. I, I don't think I even heard of the word entrepreneur. That's right. But if you yeah. got called an entrepreneur, because that's what we really were, like yeah. we weren't, I wasn't interested in school. I was interested in like making money and like, how do I get my first car and how do I get my first, like I was literally thinking about buying my first home when I was 16 and 17 years old. But I was faced with, you don't have any money. And so my uncle, I looked at him one day because he's like, hey, come flying with me, come flying with me, come flying with me. And um, I looked at him one day, I was like, man, I could actually get paid to do this. Like, 
I'm working in factories. I was, my first job was at Subway and Jiffy Lube. Like I did all the same things that everybody else does to try to get that paycheck, to get your first car, to impress whoever, right? Um, but then I, I, I got hooked into aviation. Like I got hooked into aviation so much where from the age of 17 to 20 years old, all I did was fly. That's it. I had no friends. I just flew airplanes actually at the Williams Gateway. Which is, you know, what's crazy about the story is this sounds like what my son is going to do. Uh-huh. Hudson loved, he, he, nowadays you can play video games where you have like the whole setup right. of like to be able to fly planes. Right. Like, uh, uh, the simulators. Uh, the simulators and, all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. stuff. He loves it. If you ask that kid what he wants to do, he says, I want to be a pilot. Interesting. It's weird. So how, you how were just bit by that bug. He's 14. He's 14, yeah. So you just got bit by the bug when you saw the plane and you were like, you know what? I'm going to nerd out on this and do this. Well, I was always, like, I was always fixing things, right? Like I was racing cars and I was building engines and helping him like, like my brother would, uh, uh, wreck his car or wreck his motorcycle. And I'd like, I was, I'm the one who was helping my uncle fix things. And so what's the ideal scene of moving from motorcycles to cars to airplanes? And actually it was interesting. I was, um, I wasn't a pilot at the time, but I was telling people that I was wanting to become a pilot. And the way that their eyes lit up, there was something unique about it. When I told people I'm training to become a pilot, there was an instant not just respect, but like infinity, like, like, wow, like that's so crazy. That's so cool. Like, what's it like? And it really opened up a lot of cool conversations. I was like, man, I'm like, I'm hooking into something that's just bigger than me. Cause aviation, aviation's a trip. Like, like you think of communities, aviation, like you're surrounded by the best of the best. All these people do is train all day. Like they want to be the best. They want to be sharp. They, 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 they want to, and then the owners of the airplanes, they want to be the best. They're sharp. Like, so there's different, there's different levels of the aviation game. I just knew when I got into it, it was a lot bigger than what I was thinking with at like 15, 16. Cause I graduated sure. high school when I was like 16, 17 years old. I was young for graduating. And so I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. Thank God I figured it out soon. I love that. Um, my dad, so my mom passed away last year. Sorry to hear Can't that. Cancer, yeah. It's, I fucking hate cancer. God. It's the worst. It's the worst, man. I've never, I, somehow I skirted through life and nobody close to me passed away that I really loved or cared about. Yeah. Um, I, I just got lucky. Yeah. So I made it all the way to, you know, in my 40s and then all of a sudden your mom passes away of cancer and it really fucks your head up yep and it almost it's such, it, a, big, it, it's such a big loss well it it's it's funny because you know that last few years as she was like going downhill you're kind of mentally bracing yourself for it because you know what's going to happen it's not losing my mom that was as hard as my dad who was left and how destroyed he was Watching 50 him. year marriage does it, that was his identity, taking care of her for the right. last, you know, seven, eight years of her life and just being married. And all of a sudden now he's sitting there in like this, this despair. And we let it go on for a while, for about nine, 10 months. Yep. And at some point it was like, you're kind of tapping him going, okay, dad, what's wait, next? What are we going to do here? What's like, what, next? Wait, what are yeah. we going to do? Like, yeah. how are you yeah. going to find uh, excitement and joy in life again? And I asked him the question one day, I said, hey, what is it that mom would never let you do? Uh-huh. And when I was a little kid, my dad had this thing called an ultralight. Okay. Do you know what an ultralight is? It's literally yeah, like a yeah. kit. Yeah. It's like tubes and uh, wings. Yeah. And, and a, a little, little propeller. Yeah, a little prop on the back. Yeah, yeah. And a little propeller and it flies around and yeah. it's it's scary and yeah. it, it looks like it shouldn't be flying. It's a hog on skates, man. It's a little, it's a little, it's like a little kite yeah. with, the, with the prop. Yeah. And yeah. he had this. My mom hated it. And he goes, you know, she never would let me be a pilot. 
And I said, you should get your pilot's license. My dad's in his uh, late 70s. And he's like, I don't know. About a week later, he calls me up. He goes, you know, I'm not going to get my pilot's license. I'm old. Uh, I don't think I'd qualify the FAA regulations. Sure. I'm on these medical, medications yeah, the medical and stuff. And, I don't think I'm going to do it. And I'm yeah. like, all right, cool. Well, when you're done being a little bitch, uh, you know, let me know. And right? we'll figure out what alternative medication you can get on so you can pass that shit. But uh, until then, I don't know what else to tell you. Right. He hung up the phone. Next day, he called me. He said, all right, fuck it. I'm getting my pilot's license. Good for you. He's almost done. Nice. He's almost done right now. Right. He's he's doing the part where uh, you finally fly by yourself and you right. have to like do touch and goes by yourself yep. and stuff. Yep. So. Yeah, you uh, do touch and goes and then you do like a cross country and then you yeah, come back yep. and you got to do your written. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. doing all that. And, uh, and, and he actually had one incident where something, one of the flaps didn't work properly. Right. Uh, the lady kind of said, well, what are you going to do? The, the, the coach. The instructor. The instructor. instructor. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what are you going to do? And he had to think about it. And he was like, oh, I'm going to do this and this. She goes, that's the right call. Do it. Right. And he landed the plane back safely, even though there was some broken parts. And I didn't realize the hardest part about being a pilot is the communication. I, you know, you, you're learning a whole new language yeah. of just trying to learn how to how everything communicates. Yeah. Well, right. well, and to that point though, too, like people don't realize to get your pilot license, it's like 40 hours. It's 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 not that much. And when you go and get your pilot license, I, I'll never forget the day the the instructor, because I'm still like, you guys got to think like I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm like 17 and a half, 18 years old. I just got my driver's license. Now I'm getting a license to go and fly in the sky. My, I'm still wet behind the ears. The instructor, the, the examiner gives me a license. He says, here's your license to learn. And I thought about that for a second. I was like, man, I was so terrified. I had so much of this, this, this buildup of like, what happens when I get my license? Like, it's almost like, what, what happens when I get my first house? What happens, right? And so these things are so interrelatable, but I was like, it's so powerful. Like when the guy hands you, he's got like, he's got like 20,000 hours. He's like, here's your license to learn. You know enough to be dangerous. If you follow the checklist, if you do what you're taught, if you're doing like all this stuff inside the parameters, you're going to be safe, but you got to go out and get all these experiences now. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people, they ask me like, well, hey, I want to become a pilot. It's only 40 hours. Go and do it. Even if you don't want to be, like I was a commercial airline pilot. I was a Czech airman. I like, I have 10,000 hours. Not everybody has to go and do the route that Ryan Secco did, but I encourage people, man, it's like, go and do those things that you're going to regret when you're dying. Like, I wish I would have became a pilot. I wish I would have got my scuba. I wish I would have got all these different things. And people just get so like, like, like paralyzed yeah. thinking, oh, it's about the money. Oh, it's about the time. Oh, it's about my wife or whatever it is not allowing me to do it. It's like, God, we miss so many yeah. of these great opportunities to be great. And I told him too, I'm like, look, one or two things is going to happen. You're yeah. going to get your pilot's license and realize a childhood dream. Right. Or you're going to crash and die and see mom. That's right. So we're good either way, yeah. right? So we can yeah. we can get past this it's little pity party it's, that you're throwing for yourself. Let's right. go. Um, and, That's exciting, and, though. And, yeah. and the cool part, I said, what are you going to do once you get your license? And I like how you framed it. This yeah. is your license to learn. This is the beginning. This That's isn't right. the end. It's, it's actually the beginning. And he goes, you know, I think I'm going to get my helicopter pilot's license. So it's cool. only X amount more hours. That's and right. I said, all right. I like the way you're thinking. Because it's those stacks, though. It's the stacks. Like once you get your first home, once you get your pilot license, you're like, well, it's not really that far to get my instrument. It's not really that far to get the commercial. It's not really that far to get all these like the, these additional steps. It's so, powerful, man. I love that. Yeah. How did you then? So you you got your your original pilot's license. You're starting to learn all these other things. Yep. How did you transition to uh, getting into real estate? So I was I was 20 years old and I was an instructor. So I was like teaching your dad how to fly, right? Because yeah. you have to build your time. 
uh, when I was 21 years old, which is the youngest you can be to become a commercial airline pilot and fly for the airlines, I got hired on. And it was interesting because when I went and did all these different interviews with like four or five airlines, I didn't get hired by every one of them, but I got hired by two of them. Cause it's like, like when you go through these puppy mills and, 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 and you're like getting trained to, to become a commercial airline pilot, you know, everybody was hiring, right? And it's a completely different market. Like now you can literally go and get hired by anybody. They'll even pay for your training. That's because there, there's a- There's a, a shortage. Yeah. There's a shortage. Back then in 2003, 2004, there was not a shortage. You were grinding, you were fighting. Like you, I literally spent 140 grand to get my, my, my certificates and I got paid 48 grand the first year I became a first officer. But I was flying a $40 million jet and they paid 35 grand to train me on that jet. And so there's a trade-off there, right? So I did that and thank God I was young because I was traveling all over the place and I was flying all over the place. But I I really- um, So you're I doing really private, my, like private aviation? No, I'm doing what? United Express. I'm doing a 70 passenger jet that's painted United. Okay. That was based out of Chicago O'Hare. And, and I lived in Scottsdale. Are you at the single time. at this time? Uh, oh, for sure. Oh, I'm, I'd be banging every oh, stewardess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. good looking ones. Well, well, <laughs> I should clarify, not every stewardess. Well, you know what the chief pilot told me? He said, he said, uh, he says, son, let me give you a bit of advice, okay? You're a good looking kid. There's good looking flight attendants. Don't dip your pen in company ink. <laughs> oh, that, that's probably true. Well, I've and heard, I said, you know, I said, I said, God, I said, it's so, it's so tempting. I've had some friends that are pilots for like uh, Southwest and everything. And they, they put you up in these like houses and rooms and stuff where there's yeah. multiple pilots yeah. and they're trading in and out. Yep. And they're like, they're raunchy, man. They, 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 tell, they told me some good war stories. Oh yeah. Just being on the road. Yeah. Crash pads are not good. <laughs> Not good. It, it, it really, it really pushed me to become like better okay. and make more money because at 25 years old, I started talking about real estate, right? So I'm grinding it out. I'm flying every single day. I'm finishing up my degree. I'm doing all this stuff, right? To get ahead, to build my cred. Like, mm -hmm. like in a pilot world, the only way you have value is it's the amount of time you have flown. So when I go to apply for Clever Investor Airlines, right? You're going to ask me, how much time do you have? And I'm going to tell you, I've got about 10,000 hours. And you're going to be like, damn, that's yeah. a lot of hours. Most people have 2,000, 3,000. Your dad has 40, right? Yeah. So you can see, and it, and it takes a long time, but in 10 years time, I built up 10,000 hours. But at the age of 25, I was 2008, 2009 happened. And in Arizona, where I grew up, things were selling at 50% off and 40% off. And I went back and I literally bought my first crash pad, which I rented out to four there was four bedrooms. I rented out three to pilots and another guy. And I stayed in one room for free. So that was my house hacking, right? But then I realized I didn't want to live with people. And so I went and bought my first fourplex. And that's really how I got reintroduced back into real estate because I always knew you can only trade your time for money so much as a pilot, but I had to do this to make money to get my first down payment. But I always went into real estate as like, I want to buy this thing and I want to own it forever. I was never the fix and flipper which you're known for. I mean, yeah. whenever I think of Clever, whenever I think of you, I think of uh, Chase Bank, <laughs> just the, the check yep. in the sit car. And you're just like, guys, let me show you how to do this. You know, it was funny too, because, you know, everybody kind of knows Ty, Ty Lopez as yes. like the Lamborghini guy. Yes. Uh, I was doing Lamborghini ads long before that. You and, were. And it was- uh, And they were great. You know, it was fun. It was fun. And I still remember the amount of hate I would get underneath my ads and all that stuff. Yeah. But people would buy. People loved it. Like and they would watch you and were. they would buy. Yeah, and they knew who I was. That, 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 that doesn't stick in my head for any other reason that it was a great- yeah. And but, <laughs> it was but I look back now and I'm like, so many good things came out of me being, uh, I don't know if it was bold enough or crazy enough or just 
aggressive enough. Sure. But like, I love to show off wealth. I love to show like this, you know, the rags to riches shit, like the success, all, all of that. Yeah, like, yeah, I love yeah. it. That's why I love yeah. Miami. Yeah. We don't give a fuck out here. Like yeah. people out here just like they're dripping yeah. in it, whether it's real or not. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. But, but half of it, more than half is not real. Probably not. Yeah. But, but it's the energy of like, I want, I want more in life. Yeah. And it's not just about the nice stuff. It's just, I want more, you know, I want a better life. And, uh, it's like Missouri. It's the show me state, you know, show me. Yeah, that's right. Show me what you're working with. Show me what you got. Yeah. And those ads worked. Oh my God. We scaled. At one point I was spending 4 million a year on Facebook ads. That's incredible. Yeah. And I was getting like a, like a five to seven time row as like we were, we were doing 20, 25 million a year. No problem off of 4 million in ad spend. Uh-huh. What's row as mean? What does that uh, mean? Return on ad spend. Okay. Okay. We would, we would spend a yeah. dollar and make four back. Yeah. That's cool. Like it was just like instant. Yeah. So, and, and, and you were, and you were doing courses it, and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? I was were, selling courses. I, yeah. I had, um, I had like a, a $397 course or 400. They weren't real expensive courses for what you got. I mean, you got 60 hours of in-depth training. Right. And all the docs and all the spreadsheets and all the stuff, plus coaching calls, all the stuff you got. Um, but uh, we were just so good at building the funnels and the copy and the ads. We were just so much better than everybody else. And at the time, Facebook was newer and we were the first to market really aggressively on it. And so we scaled. And then I started uh, licensing reality stars. I, I, like, uh, I did a deal with uh, Barbara Corcoran one time. Okay. I did a, a major deal with uh, Josh Altman. Were, were you, were you listing. pay them to- Yeah, I just, like, uh, so I was doing my own thing. I was uh, doing all the, all the wholesaling training and stuff. And that's the Lamborghini ads that yep. you saw. And we were scaling that business. We were doing really well. We were killing it actually. And, uh, and then uh, I got this idea because we were throwing little events all over the all over the country. And I got this idea to hire, you know, celebrity type real estate, celebrity reality stars. And I would bring them in and have them speak on my stages. Well, I met Josh Altman. Yep. He came and spoke at one of uh, our that. events and I pulled him aside. We went to dinner and I just said, Hey, I think you're a superstar. I'd love right. to um, license your likeness in your image. And you come in and uh, we'll build training around you. We'll build products around you. I'll do all of the work. You don't have to do a ton. I'll do all the fulfillment, all the marketing, everything. And I'll just send you big fatty checks nice. every single month. You be the real estate superstar. You yep. just make sure your TV show is a massive it's hit. It's rocking. Which and you, he was already doing. And it worked. And we we had a great relationship for many years. Nice. We killed it. And we scaled his business and his brand. Would you, my, would that you, was would my you, first major licensing deal. Uh, now, would you pay them a percentage of the business or yeah yeah uh, any dollar that was created i think i paid him god i don't really remember it was 15 uh, or 20 percent it's cool for, he was like he was like let's 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 do some runs let's, let's yeah let's, but let's i own, i owned his likeness in the real estate space that's cool for education software yeah so he couldn't broker and that's what licensing is it's like you cut a deal with them for a certain time period right and then there's some renewal periods and stuff and i think we ran it for about five years together nice, nice. we did well yeah that's cool yeah spectacular implosion at the end and that's a whole another podcast oh really oh yeah fuck what a what a shit show that that end part was doing deals with sharks you know, you know, when you go into a deal, you ever do a deal with somebody where you kind of know you're doing a deal with the devil uh -huh. and you just know like, uh -huh. fuck, this guy's did, a shark did, and did, it could come back to, to bite me. Yeah, it, it yeah. did. Well, looking back now, a couple things, and I think this is important for anybody listening. First off, Josh Altman is a badass. 
great, for sure. great, great yes. real estate agent, right. superstar, celebrity guy. And I'm grateful for everything that he did for me and with me. Yep. And I'm just, I'm just grateful. Right. That's my leftover feeling. Right. But when two people are in business relationship and we're out of alignment and you're not seeing eye to eye on the future and the vision. And this was like year four into our relationship or yep. year five, our contract yep. was coming to an end. We had maybe, maybe a year left or less than a year left. And, uh, he just did some shitty sharky things right. to try to fuck me out of the contract. And it didn't work for him very well. I, you know, he lawyered up and started bullying me and pushing me around. And, uh, short story is I ended up, you know, suing him and, smacking him around a little bit. And we came out the other end. We, we finally came to terms. We right, settled right. and uh, worked the rest of the relationship to, to the end. Yeah. But I look back on that. I would do so many things different. Uh-huh. Fuck, I would do so many things different. You're uh -huh. young. You're making a ton of money. He's killing it. He's got big ego. I got an ego. Yeah. We're doing, you know, I'm in my first, this is my first major licensing deal. Right. And, and, so, uh, and, so, and so you're spending money Oh, a fortune. Uh -huh. Blowing his brand up. What's the one thing you would have done different? Just one thing. If you can think of one thing. Is, yeah. it, is, it, is it the investments? Is well, it the, no. There was so much going on. So you guys, you got to understand. So cl Clever Investor, I was always a real estate investor. Sure. Yeah. I was never meant going like I education was my side business. Uh -huh. Real estate's my main business. Right. And so at the time, like you said, in 2008, 2009, it was like we're at the epicenter of awesome opportunities right. in real estate. Like right. the Arizona, it melted. We were the foreclosure epicenter. And all of a sudden, houses are going for 30, 40 cents on the dollar. It's every other house. And so I was down at the foreclosure auctions buying three houses a day, every yeah. day of the week yeah. for cash. Yeah. How are you getting your money? How are you getting the equity? How are you getting the cash to, to put down? Dude, uh, first off, I was actually doing short sales and loan modifications. Mm -hmm. And I was doing them at a pretty high level. And we had figured out how to use trusts to create a spread in a short sale, an arbitrage or short sale, and flip it to a cash buyer and get paid. That's a whole Got long it. conversation. Got it. Yep. But we were doing really creative things. So I went from wholesaling and rehabbing and owning a little bit of real estate to wholesaling short sales and eventually doing loan, loan modifications. I started a, co a company called Adjust My Loan. I got on the news and blew up the loan mod business. And uh, that was going really well. But every once in a while, we couldn't get one done and uh -huh. it would go to auction. And so I had heard, uh, I went to lunch with a friend and he said, dude, I just bought a house for $19,000 down at the foreclosure auction. And it was built in 2006. And it was in the town of Maricopa. Right. And it was a K Hovian home. Which is south, right? Which is south, yeah. And I couldn't fucking believe it. I'm like, you bought a house that was a $150,000 house just a year ago. Right. Brand new. For $19,000. And he goes, yeah, down at the auction, I paid cash. And I'm like, fuck, I can pay cash. I got 19 grand. Like, right. I can go down. So the next day I showed up at the auction and I sat there with a yellow legal pad and a pen. And I sat there all day long watching the auctions happen. I had never been down to the foreclosure auction really doing much. And, uh, I really started paying attention and I was blown away that that was a whole ecosystem right. of sharks and really like gangster auction guys that had been doing this for many, many years and yep. they were like cutthroat, but they had a system and they had a process. And I was watching houses go through that, that process 
selling for 20K, 30K, 40K that were all 150K plus houses sure. just six months earlier. Yep. And it's I was like, wild. I was like, holy shit, this is like Christmas. Like, I have to figure this out. And so I actually borrowed my first deal. I borrowed $10,000 from my dad to go and bid. And I, I told my dad, hey, let's partner on a deal and we'll yep. go, I'll go down, I'll buy this thing. And I didn't know the auction business well enough. So when I went down there and I bid on my first property, uh -huh. I accidentally bid on a second lien position, <laughs> not knowing what, what lien positions were and sure. how it worked. Right. And I lost my dad's $10,000 because the opening bid opened. I'm sitting, not all, some auctions happen at a courthouse. Some auctions happen at, at a law firm, like in their, like, like their, their, um, like, uh, just a big, uh, uh, what do you call a room where everybody sit? What the fuck? I can't even think right like, now. Like a, like in that conference room. The conference but, room. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I'm at the, and their conference room, and there's like 30 of us in this conference room. And I had gotten a list of all the foreclosures. I drove them at like three in the morning. Yeah. I figured out which one I wanted to bid on. I went to this conference room. I'm sitting in there. And the way the auction business works is you have to have a $10,000 cashier's check in order to bid Got it. in the auction. And if you win, you hand them your cashier's check. And then you got to show up by five o'clock the next day and pay the remaining balance of uh -huh. whatever the bid was, the uh -huh. winning bid was. And so I had my $10,000 cashier's check. It was my dad's money. And uh, I drove the houses. I found the one I wanted to bid on. The auction started. I go, and at the time, I actually owned an LLC called Clever Investor, but with a K. Uh -huh. And so I go, Clever Investor plus a dollar when they opened up the bid. And nobody bid against me. Oh my God. And I'm looking around and there's like 30 people and they're all kind of looking at me and I'm like smiling. I'm like, plus a dollar. And I bid, it was four, it was forty thousand and one dollars is what the so the opening bid was 40k. I bid forty thousand and one dollars. It was like going once, going twice, sold Sperber, come on up here. I handed them the cashier's check. I signed my little document that I'd come back by the next day and pay the remaining balance. I'm like cheering. I called my dad. We're gonna we won the bid. We're yeah, gonna yeah. get this deal. Here's the address. While I'm on the phone with my dad, this old timer that had been down at the auctions forever, walks up and slaps me on the back really, really hard and lets out a big laugh. And he goes, welcome to the auction biz, kid. And I'm like, I'm like, dad, we won, we won. And then the guy did that. And, and my dad's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, I don't know. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, thanks, bro. And he's like, just laughing as he walks off. And I kind of look around and everybody's kind of laughing. And I'm like, fuck, what did I do? I went and asked somebody, I said, how much is the winning bid? And they go, it's $156,001. Uh -huh. And I'm like, no, 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 it's $41,000. And they go, no, 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 the 40,000 is the second. You, you inherited a hundred and whatever, $10,000 first uh -huh. that you also got to pay for. Right. And I'm like, fuck, the house is only worth 150, 160. Right. So what'd you do? I walked from the 10K. You walked. Yeah, you have to. What yeah. are you going to do? Are you going to overpay for a house in a declining market? I'm done. I'm fucked. I called my dad back. I said, we lost the money. Uh -huh. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. What do you mean we lost the money? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. So I stepped back and I, start, I, I stayed for another week and I started studying better the auction business. I, I, and I built a little team around me. And now I, before I go and bid, I actually send a list of all my, the addresses I want to bid on to a certain title lady. Right. She would run all the addresses and tell me if they're first or second. Right. So now I would highlight them and only bid on first. Got it. So, so you knew what you were buying. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we started to build the infrastructure to 
then go and scale this business. But to answer your question, I didn't have the money. I didn't know what to do. So I did what every creative, clever investor should do. And that's just ask themselves, a, the question is like, in real estate, you're never going to have a money problem. You have a creativity problem. Yep. So the question was, who has my money? Sure. Where am I going to go to get this money? Right. And at the time in Canada, the dollar in Canada was very strong against the U.S. dollar. And so I read that in the newspaper, how strong the Canadian dollar was. And I'm like, the Canadians got my money. Yep. So I, I flew to Toronto. Which is an interesting thought, by the way. I mean, Canadians have got my money. It's, I it's, don't know how right. I arrived at that, right. but I read the article and I said, I'm fucking going to Canada. Yep. And next thing you know, I book a plane. I f grab a suit, my only suit. So many of our listeners reach out and they ask us how they can get involved in my actual real estate deals. Our investment firm specializes in finding deeply discounted properties, acquiring them, renovating, stabilizing both single family and multifamily properties all over the United States. That's why we're so excited to share with you clevercapitalfund.com. Now, if you have some investment capital and you want to deploy it and receive double digit returns back by real estate, then visit our website and see which fund is right for you. We have both equity funds and we have debt funds where you just get paid out every month like clockwork. All you got to do is visit www.clevercapitalfund.com today to learn more. I fly to Canada. I, I land in Toronto. I put ads in the local newspaper, free real estate seminar, how to buy properties in Arizona for pennies on the dollar, take advantage of the foreclosure Super crisis. Cool. Yep. About 30, 40 people showed up to this little like conference room and Hilton uh, Inn. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was like yeah, the Hilton yeah. Garden Inn. And um, I stood up in front of the room. I said, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. I look like I'm 15 years old. This is this is what's happening in Arizona. you were 17, 18, right? And, uh, uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, 25, no, I was probably 25. Yeah. And 26. And, uh, but I look 15. Yeah. And I just said, hey, um, I'm, uh, here's articles. I showed him a bunch of articles of foreclosures crisis in Arizona. I showed him some pictures of what's going on at the foreclosure auctions. And I said, I bought a property. I, you know, since then I lost money on my first deal. And then I bought some, some properties down there with my dad's money. And by the way, I did end up buying another property with my dad's money and, and made it up yeah. to him. So that story somewhat ended good. My next two deals, I made no money on it, but I gave all the money to my dad. Yeah. But it, but it is interesting though. Cause like when you, when you buy your first house or second home or third investment, you do run out of money. Oh, I ran. I mean, in, I, I didn't have a lot of money. I was I, every time I made money, I spent it. Uh -huh. I was a dipshit with uh -huh. money in the beginning. Uh -huh. But I, uh, I pitched this group of investors, and I said, "Here's the fucked up thing about the foreclosure business: is there's no rules, there's no paperwork, really. There's no, there's nothing. They don't even give me a key when I buy these houses. It's yes, literally it's, a piece of paper, it's, and it's like good luck. You're you blind. Go, yeah, you go kick in the door, and eight weeks later, they send you a a trustee's deed and you go record it and then it's officially your property. Right. But until then you just have some receipts for, that the, that you paid the auctioneer. And so it was really the wild west. And so I, uh, I said, I need you guys to trust me enough to wire me money that I can use to get these $10,000 bid checks. I'm going to go bid. And for every property I win, I'm going to call you up and I'm going to have you, uh, wire me the rest of the money by five o'clock. Otherwise we lose our 10 grand. So uh -huh. it's a very fast paced thing. And you have to trust me. And how many of these deals did you do? I was doing three a day for 10, five years. Nice. Like that from 2009 to 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, about four years. It's awesome, man. I made a fortune. It's awesome. And, but my deal with them was I was going to make five to 10K per deal. 
really 5K on most deals. And uh, and then if I had to renovate the property and put a tenant in there, then I'd make 10, uh-huh. right? So five for bidding. And they would and, get the upside. They'd get and the they would get the house. It was yeah. their house. Yeah. But oh, I was it. like their gateway yeah. to doing the deal. And uh, so if I bought three a day, I was making what, 15K a day? Every day for years? It was amazing. Yeah, I, incredible. I, I made a fortune. Uh, that's but, wild. But I didn't keep the houses. I wish yeah. I would have. Um, yeah, I made them rich. Well, and that's the thing too. Like in real estate, when I started buying my first home, I was I was I had a career, and 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 I was like, okay, how do I buy my first home? And then a fourplex, and then a threeplex. I didn't even know, like I didn't even know where to find fourplexes. I had to go to Mesa. I had to go to University in you know Guadalupe or whatever it was to yeah. to find a fourplex because I you know where where I grew up there were condos or homes or whatever it is. And so when I started driving Mesa, I was like, man. I can buy four units for 150 grand or 200 grand. Like it, was, it met the one percent rule. And Explain the one percent rule for so 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 the one percent rule is just a quick guide. If you go and buy one unit for 100 grand, as long as it makes a thousand bucks per month, typically the deal works. Unless there's some crazy wild expense like an HOA or something that like that, that, that's surprising. If any deal I go and buy, I can go buy 100 grand per unit, and it gets a thousand dollars in rent each month. I'm doing the deal. Mm. Now, now there's obviously some due diligence and things you want to do, but that was always my guider. And I was buying deals back then for 50, 60 grand per unit. And they were like five, 600 bucks in rent. It's crazy to think now, but in 2010, 2011, rents were like six, seven, 800 bucks in Mesa, Arizona. But I ran out of money. And mm. that, was the, that was the big thing. That was the big thing that I had to learn is, is where am I going to get more money? Because I always wanted to keep the real estate, but I didn't know where to get additional equity. Because once you go to your dad and once you go to your uncle and once you go to the people that are closest to you, number one, they don't even believe you. They tell you to be careful and they don't have the conviction that yep. you do as far as real estate goes. And so that's when that's when I really started digging in. It sounds like when you made your trip to Canada, I was making my trip to figure out really how this reg D, like how this crowdfunding works. Because when 2014 passed, that's really when you were enabled and rules have changed since then, but you were enabled to go and use crowdfunding, social media to raise money for deals. So what was the, how did you end up, you know, cause you ended up with, you know, 20, 25 units or yep. whatever. Yep. How did that transition into, you know, becoming intertwined with Grant Cardone? Did you become his pilot first? Yeah. Like yeah. he just, he met you at an event. Like what was the connection point? So I found him on YouTube actually be, YouTube and Bigger Pockets. And when he got on the, the Bigger Pockets uh, podcast, you know, Bigger Pockets was coming up and he was talking, I've got 2,500 units. I want to grow my portfolio. Like I'm looking for people to, to partner with. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, this guy's buying an airplane. He didn't even have the airplane yet. So I actually got hired on as a sales guy. And then I met Elena and then I got an interview as a pilot and I told him I'll do whatever it takes. I'll work with him. Cause he asked me, he's like, hey, if I hire you as the pilot, the biggest issue with pilots is that you have a bunch of days off when we're not flying will you work with me in the company? And I'm like, Grant, that's why I'm here. Like I want to, because for me, it's always been about mentors. You know, your story is probably similar. Like I've always had a mentor. Like it was my mm. uncle. It was my, uh, um, uh, uh, the check airman. It was the other pilots. Like it was the people, like when I was flying, I had mentors that had 30,000 hours and I had 2,000 hours. But I always, I always found Smart. myself, I was attracted to people who were, who were already successful. And I always tell people, like people who are listening, like if you want to become successful, you know, and they want to become the professional real estate, whether it was the fix and flipper back then and or commercial and other real estate ventures now, go and work for a guy like you. 
go and work for a guy like me because you're going to get spooled up so much quicker than if you were trying to do it yourself. It's the ultimate hack. It's the, there's nothing, there's not even anything out there better. And I say it all the time, but nobody like, like nobody actually does anything about it. They're like, how do I become like you? I'm like, go and find me, go and find Grant, go and like, like I was willing to do whatever. I, I would have worked for Grant for free. He paid me because I was the pilot. And then he gave me my first shot on a Were you good at sales? I, I can see you being a killer. Uh, so I, so yeah. I am, I am for sure a salesman, um, but I wasn't good at the type of sales at the time, because you got to remember, I was a captain for an airline. I, I I ran a team of four and five and six people. I was a check airman. Like I had four bars. Like I was, I was, I was like pretty high up when I was coming back to work for Grant, but I was willing to take the step back and sweep the floors and be in sales and co-call car companies and co-car businesses. Like I was willing to do whatever it took. And I got spooled up eventually, right? Cause I was role playing with Grant. But the thing I, I realized is like, I'm doing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get around Grant for long periods of time. Cause he's a, he, he's, he's an awesome individual. He's very ethical. Like he, he's very, very much uh, the type of guy who I want to be. And so I was like, I'll fly for you. I'll do your sales. I'll do the real estate. But when he gave me an opportunity, that's really when it happened is it was over Christmas. Elena's like, Hey, come over for dinner. And he came back. He was pissed. He had 340 units. And there was some units that needed to be leased out and rented in Daphne, Alabama. And I, I started asking him questions like, hey, man, how can I help? Hey, how can I help? How can I? And he's like, man, you really like this real estate thing, right? And I'm like, yeah, I've got 21 units and here they are. And he's like, dude, that's all shit. That's all garbage. And I was like, what do you mean that's all garbage? Like I worked my ass off to get these, right? And he's like, Ryan, I'm doing portfolios of 800 units, of 400 units, of 300 units. Like one deal was 400 units. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And so all these things started tying together. Like I'm flying the airplane. We're landing in Panama City Beach, looking at a thousand units. We're landing in Houston, looking at, you know, 3000 units. We're landing in Scottsdale. We're landing all over. Like we're traveling together and we're like a unit. And um, I was really able to study Grant, how he thinks, what he thinks of locations, how he um, underwrites deals. Like, like I didn't even know how to underwrite deals. Like, like the biggest thing in real estate for me was, was like, what is a good deal? You know, when you're going and buying at an auction, you're like, this thing sold for 200. I'm buying it for 20. You're buying off of basis. You're not buying off of yield. You're not buying off cap rates. You're not buying off of cash flow. You're buying because you're like, this is a really good ass deal. Mm -hmm. I know it in my heart, but there is some speculation to it. Like, will this market come back up? With Grant, he is so sophisticated and he's more of like an institution. All he buys for is yield, going in cap rates and yield cash on cash to the investors. And so that's that game that I wanted to learn because I think too many of us get stuck on our past and we're not focused on the future. I don't want to keep doing what I've been doing in the past. I want to go and do 10X what I've been doing in the future because that's what I know I was built to do. Same with you. Like you, I, I've watched your career too. Like you haven't stayed stagnant. You haven't stayed in one place. Like you're now doing bigger deals. We're now doing bigger deals. But, but, but for me, I've, I, I've, I've just figured out how to um, really have the synergies of the flying because the flying has really helped me in the real estate and the real estate and uh, the training and all that stuff really had, had married together. And even the sales has all married together to put me where I am today, which I'm always constantly learning and growing. And do you think that that was just a natural ambition and drive inside you? Or was that something that through osmosis of being around people that were doing crazy big things that you were like, oh shit, I... I did you have a, any limitation on your mindset? Yes. Or, you did. Oh, yes. So like you get around this exposure and you're like, oh my God, like I got to be part of this. I yes. got, even though it was scary, you had to step into it. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I didn't know. I, I knew I would last. But you know, when you are put in a position where you're 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 in command of a jet, you're now working in real estate, which is because there's a lot of unknowns, right? Like when you go from a fourplex to 300 units, Grant's very um, Grant's very simple when it comes to like, hey, how does he want you to learn, right? Like if you were to go say, hey, Grant, uh, I want to help you, right? And your team, like for me, he's like, go and get in every part of the business, have people know who you are, and go and learn from the bottom up. And so I literally went from managing regional investors to going on properties to site visits to um, talking to investors to analyzing deals to underwriting deals. Like I've I've literally gone from the bottom, and and he doesn't Grant's not like like and and this is something really I want some like if you're watching this right now, if you're looking for a mentor, you cannot go and expect them to teach you and have a a playbook of how you're going to learn. They're not going to do that. If I go to you and say, "Clever, let me be your right hand guy," you're going to be like, "Okay." What do you have to offer? What are you going to do? What are you going to take off my plate? Because you're going to put me in the game. Like, like this is what people need to understand. Grant put me in the game. He put me in scenarios and situations where I was very uncomfortable, but I figured out a solution for him. People who are winners find solutions. People who are not winners find problems. And I've always been, so to go back to your mindset question, I've always had limiting beliefs because um, the people around me had limiting beliefs. When I found Grant on YouTube, my girlfriend was like, oh, you're going to go work for Grant Cardone. You're going to give up your career at United. You're going to go give up this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. I actually am. Because what this guy is saying is true. And I need to figure out how to play a bigger game. And I can do it by myself and go and get subject to and go and get you know master lease options and go and get fourplex and three units. Or I could skip it, have somebody tell me all my properties are junk sell those properties, end up with 500 grand, pay the tax, had 400 grand. Literally my 400 grand went in 826 units in Nashville, Tennessee. So you just dumped it in one of his projects. You said, hey- He already bought it. He already bought it. He was willing to let me invest in his deals. And I said, let's go. It was one of the biggest, it was one of the biggest reliefs, one of the biggest weights off my shoulder because no longer was I managing the airplane, managing 21 units, managing the sales, managing all that. Like I was like, I can now put my money to work. Because there's a difference between investing and working in real estate. 100%. And it's confusing, right? Because you're like, I'm going to go buy a first a fourplex. I'm going to go buy a single unit. You actually, welcome to your new job. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really understand what it takes to be a landlord. And they have to cut their teeth. And then they really realize very quickly, I want to get rid of this property. That's right. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. I feel that way about a lot of my you. Airbnbs. Yeah. You know, I love, I like parts of the Airbnb business. I really dislike other parts. Right. We, we, we kind of, me and my business partner looked at each other and said, look, we'll run Airbnbs for a year or two. We'll see which ones we like, which ones we don't. Right. Out of the 50 Airbnbs, we're, we're selling 30 of them right now. Right. Yeah. We'll keep the top 20. And, just, just because of the management intensity. Well, it's or- pain in the ass, the money, like first off, there's a big Airbnb bust kind of happening right now where- yep. Just are you seeing? Are you seeing the, Yeah. Are you seeing like because the headlines are saying they're fifty percent down or thirty percent down? Are I mean, you there's a lot. That? Yo, hell yeah, hell uh-huh. yeah. And uh-huh. Arizona, where a lot of ours are, it's already a cyclical market because when the heat heats up, if you don't have just the perfect property in the perfect location Swimming with tons pool, of water right. and like all that stuff, it's not gonna it's not gonna rent very well. And so, what a lot of people do in Arizona in the summers is just long term lease them for three months, three months yeah, you know, something like that, just to kind of 
get through it yep. for whatever, just the cover of the cost of the mortgage. You don't and then really ramp it up in, in November, December, January, February, March. Yeah there, are, yeah, there are times where it's better than others. But even like our good ones, like this goes back to what you're saying. I can I can do these little deals yep. or I can skip it and go to the 400 unit deal that I know day two is going to cash flow. Yeah, and there's people managing the deal. Yes. Like there's literally on a 400 unit, I always use the rule of thumb, one inside, one outside for every 100 units. So on four, explain that. So on on 400 units, the rule of thumb is every 100 units supports two people, one inside leasing, one outside managing the maintenance. And so for 400 units, you've got eight people that are on payroll every day. Their life is I go to the property, I lease and or I fix the units because you have calls and you have mm. you know ACs going out. And I like that model. The reason why is that model is scalable. You can scale that model. I can buy 400 units every month put them into a management company. That's what we've done at Cardinal Cap. And, and, and you could scale it without having your attention on, oh my God, are the foreign people, what are the leases? Uh, what are they calling about? Is there leaks? Is there, like, like the property is big enough that it supports a team. Partnerships and teams are the two biggest things that are overlooked and underestimated in the grand scheme of things in today's, in, in today's world. Um, so you started working all these angles of the business yeah. and grinding. And now you're at a point where you run, right? Like what, what's your role at Cardone Capital? Yeah, I run Cardone Capital with Grant. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're yeah. running it. You understand all the mechanics in the business. Yep. Like your brain is fast now, right? Yeah. Like you can process deals. And, Underwriting and, deals, finding deals, having the broker relationships, debt partners, like, you know, from uh, Fannie and Freddie, the agencies to life insurance companies, to the biggest banks in New York, to like, like, like regional banks. Like we have relationships with all those uh, uh, partners, even the management companies. Like I've, we, Grant and myself have literally built a team, whether it's internally at Cardinal Capital and Aventura North, North Miami, as well as third parties, like the best attorneys in the world, the best managers in the world, the best, like, like the best debt providers in the world, like all that stuff comes as you continue to How buy deals. How many total units are you guys managing? So right now we're at 12,000 units. So 11,900 and we have two office complexes. Well, the last one we bought from Goldman and Scottsdale on Frank Lloyd Wright and Scottsdale mm -hmm. Road. Uh, office building, we got about 550,000 square feet. And, um, but the units are, it's 12,000. Wow. So the amount- and it was 3,000 when I started with Grant. Now we're at 12,000. We think that we'll do a double up in the next 24 months, just because there's a lot of opportunity going on right now. And we've been, we've been raising capital which goes back to, I always study like, cause when you buy your deals, you're gonna run out of money. You gotta figure out how to find great deals and then raise capital. So it's the deal, the debt, and then the equity. Are you raising, because I know there for a while, you guys were raising money from accredited investors. And then you guys did something with non-accredited investors, yep. right? Yep. Are you guys still doing that or did you ditch that? No, model? no, no, no. So 95% so of the world is non-accredited. And this is the thing that really, really just perks me up is I get pissed off when people leave people out. As an airline pilot, I was not accredited, right? Meaning accredited means you make over 200 grand or your net worth is over a million, excluding not counting your primary residence. The non-accredited just means that you're below that. You don't have a net worth of a million bucks or you don't make 200 grand a year. These are the people who need the investments the most and they're cut out and carved out because the big institutions want these people to invest through their 401k or their company programs. And so they don't have any investments. My biggest thing was like, how do I solve for Ryan? And then how do I offer it with Grant, with Elena, with Cardone Capital to the world? And so Grant was a little bit hesitant at first because you have to think about this, right? When you go and do a Reg D, which is the accredited funds, you actually, all you do is you file with the SEC 15 days after you raise your first tranche of money. 
right? But you have three documents. It's the PPM, which is the private placement memorandum, memorandum, the operating agreement, and then it's the subscription agreement. There's three documents that you need to raise money. Once you start raising money, then you raise 10 million or whatever it is. Our first deal was 20 million. We raised six. We had debt of 14. We raised the six. We filed it with the SEC and that was done. That was it. We filed it. With the non-accredited, it takes six months through paperwork and submittals and attorneys and all of this stuff to send it to the SEC. They have to approve you. So you go back and forth with all this comments. It costs 10 to 15 times more than the accredited. So they're making it hard, right? But once you get the approval, now you could raise money from what I call me is the everyday folk. People can do five grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, whatever it is. It just can't hit more than 10% of their income each year. So we do do both. And what they do, Cody, is they actually run parallel. So like on this next deal that I'm doing in Fort Myers, they will actually run parallel where, where it's typically like 80-20. 80% from the accredited, 20% from the non-accredited, and they invest in that deal. And then we close that deal out and move on to the next. And how many deals at any one point in time are you guys looking at? Right now, working deals, I've got eight. Uh, on market, there's 47 in the markets that I'm looking at. And I've got a bunch of lost deals because I'm tracking stuff. Like I'm like, okay, where did we miss? Where were we right? Where were we wrong? Um, what's on market? Where are we right? Where are we wrong? On market, what do we really, really, really like? Because right now the play is going and finding, and this is one thing about Grant that I've learned tremendous, like, like this is the one thing, like never, never waver on the asset. You go and buy the best deal, Go and buy the best deal because no matter what happens, whether it's an up market or a down market, you always want the deal. So the deal is the most important thing. And so the deals right now, seven, eight deals that I'm looking at, Grant and I are going every day back and forth. What's this? Where's the mark? Like, 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 where are the offers coming in at? What's the timing? What's best and final? Like, how much is this? How much is it? And so we can compare them, like whether it's in Florida, whether it's in Texas, whether it's in Chicago, whether wherever. We're on it right now. We're on a hunt to find trophies. Got it. Bought well below replacement cost. Okay. Cost 500 to build, 500 grand. We can buy it for 250, 250 grand. And are you just sitting on like a little war chest right now? Just it's because your money raising machine is constant. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And you guys have done and, and, you know, kind of break down like you have like a, like a little army of salespeople that are taking all these inbound people that are asking questions about yep. your fund. How does it work? How yep. do I put money in and all that stuff? Now, do they get commissions when they raise money through all of these leads that are coming in? Like, how does it work from their from, from the money raising perspective for you guys? Yeah, yeah. And, so, and so, so they don't get commissions. What happens is they're just on salary. And so really the sales comes from the funnels. You know, the, the Grant Cardone is selling and then we just process. And so that's one unique thing. Like if anybody wants to launch their own fund, Unless they're licensed, you can't pay them a commission based on money raised. Got it. Okay. So, so, so based you, on your so they get production paid salary. volume is based, yeah. you know, like that's your salary. Yeah. And look, a lot of our leads are more of the warm leads. Like we're not cold calling people. Uh, I walked in this morning and we had um, 700 people overnight who had raised their hands to say, hey, I'm interested in, I've got an IRA or I've got a real estate or I've got, like, I'm interested in investing. But we've had over 600,000 in the last couple of years raise their hand just because just that's one list for Cardinal Capital, right? Grant has on the other side, on the training, he has a much bigger list where it's millions. But just on the Cardinal Capital piece, we have a lot of people, yeah. way more than- Have you raised a billion dollars yet? So we're at one point, we're almost at 1.2 billion. That's, a, that's amazing. All 
from retail, when I mean retail is it's like from Ryan. So it's from Grant to like Cody and it's to Drew. And it's to like with no middleman, there's no RIAs, which is a money placer. There's no uh, broker dealers. There's no, there's no other middleman, which typically you get like a, you pay them three or four or 5%. So they raise the money. They give it to a syndicator like us. We just go direct. So we cut out all the middlemen. And this is what I was telling you before. Like, that's what I was so fascinated with your story about Canada is because you were, you were already thinking about where am I going to get the money from? Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to run into the same problem. You're going to go buy five deals, 10 deals, 20 deals. You're going to run out of money. Now you got to figure out, because the rules have changed. The rules have changed. You couldn't do this. This was illegal in 2013, in 2012, in 2010. In 2010, you could not go on billboards. You could not go on CNBC. You could not go on Instagram or Facebook and say, I've got a deal. Who wants to invest with me? You had to have a relationship with that person and you could only raise through certain channels. You couldn't do which is 506C, which is crowdfunding and or reggae. So it's 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 been it's been fascinating for me. And I've always been a student, I've always studied like how do you really raise capital in an efficient way? Because the game is changing. Social media is changing. I think that. that's the biggest lesson of watching Grant Cardone yep. do his thing. Yep. Was it wasn't the education, it wasn't the, you know, w what I thought it was. It was actually just a massive opportunity to raise money for these deals. Cause that's the real play right. is how good can you get at raising capital? Right. That's the long-term play. That's the long-term play. That's yeah. the real, that's where the real energy needs to flow. It's, yeah. Especially for guys like me. And I, even like when I called Pace or Vina or any of our friends in the real estate space, you know, they're like, Cody, how do I get in the education business? I'm like, you're asking the wrong question. Right. You need to ask yourself, how do I become so great at education and helping people that I can build this massive community so I can raise capital? That's right. And once once That's that right. clicked in my mind and I realized that probably around when maybe Periscope was coming out and I saw Grant working it. Uh-huh. And I was like, The oh, live shit. streams the were live every streams. Night. And I was like, oh, I get what he's doing here. You right. know, it's not to just to sell a course. It's actually a bit much bigger thought than that. And uh, to watch him go and now you guys raise over a billion dollars, that's insane. And it's placed like we control over 4 billion worth of assets. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And What's the end game for you? For me personally? Yeah, for you personally. You're going to do this now. At some point, what? Because you said, I want to hold these forever, but is it really forever? Or at some point, some massive, because you guys are at 12,000 units. There's people out there with 60,000 units or whatever. Someone's going to come gobble you up or the reverse. Right. One of those two things is going to happen. But yeah. at some point, if somebody offered you the right number and he sold, what's next for you? I think, so So that's like if somebody bought us and, and, and we exited that form. Yeah. There's a couple of different exits, right? So so my ideal scene would be that, you know, Grant and myself and the team, we'd grow Cardone Capital to be one of the largest multifamily owners and operators in the U.S., making us largest in the world. In the U.S., multifamily is um, very common. In other parts of the world, it's not as common, right? That's where we actually think there's an edge in the U.S. because we're moving more towards a renter's nation. Um, funny enough, uh, uh, I actually, uh, I've always liked old people. Uh, I've always uh, had this, like I'm an old soul. I've always felt like, like I wanted to take care of a lot of people. And so right now we're buying great assets in great locations. I do believe that as the population ages, we'll have the opportunity to take care of more old people, meaning 55 and older or assisted living or whatever it may be, right? Because I, I always think, uh, I will be doing real estate for the rest of my life. I'm just a deal guy. I, I, I've always, I've always loved it. This is my art. Like real estate, probably like you, it's my art form. Like I'm not, my brother's a great artist. He can draw Batman and Robin and all this stuff. 
I can't do that. I could fly airplanes really, really fast and I could understand a deal. And I know when you're saying bullshit and I know when it's a real in place. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a very simple dude at the end of the day. So continue to grow this. If we do exit, we are going to build this thing up again. Uh, and then the last thing is, you know, we probably end up becoming one of these shops like KKR, like Blackstone, like Star, like one of these groups where they get so big and they offer such a great service that you can continue to grow and scale this thing. This thing doesn't stop because you can scale it. Most businesses stop because you can't scale it. Real estate is scalable. Are you stealable? Could somebody come and steal Ryan from Grant? No. Blackstone, Blackrock. Nobody can come in, just drop some some big ass deal in your lap and say, hey, come with me. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the position that I have today. The thing I like about Grant is he gives me the the latitude and, and the flexibility to still be Ryan. There's a difference. Like, like I worked, I've already worked for corporations. I was a number. My number was 70293 at United Airlines. 70293. I'm not a number. I'm actually an entrepreneur, not a solopreneur. I'm actually an entrepreneur working for the biggest entrepreneur in the world. Like, like to me, Grant, Grant has become family. Like, like I literally look you in the eyes right now and like, like on trips, he didn't treat me as an employee. He didn't treat me as a partner. He didn't treat me as an investor. He didn't treat me because I'm all of these things, right? Uh, I take my own money. And I invest in these deals because I believe in them. But Grant was always the type of person who was like, hey, I don't want to just be the guy. I want other guys around me. And that's, that's empower like that's powerful. And that's how you get people around you who are just beasts. Yeah, that was a great answer, dude. That was good. All right. Well, listen, because I know, because I know, I know, I know you've had people though, like even, even these, these, these employees, right? Like you've had people who you thought were partners and you're like, Hey, you know, I thought we were building something and they dip. Yeah. It's a real thing. Like, yeah, like, all, like it happens all the time. It's, you know, regrettable turnover happens. Uh, and it sucks, you know, and, and loyalty is rare. And I like your answer a lot because it shows, shows your appreciation and loyalty for the platform and the opportunity that, that the Cardones have given you. Yeah. Uh, and it's massive. You it's, know, I've, had, I've had a few uh, that I've given just insane opportunities to that have abused it. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's on them. Yeah. They and, gotta, and, they and, they're, and they're wishy-washy too. It's yeah. like, oh, well, you know, maybe if something else came better, like, like, please, like, like, yeah. like, cause there's going to be a lot of people who see this. You have to be loyal in this game. If a better opportunity comes, that's fantastic. But just remember, what is the opportunity at hand? Like, what is the bigger vision? They're, they're, Blackstone could offer me like, hey, do you want to come work for us? And I'm like, oh my God, they've got 40,000 units right now that I'm be over, like I'm oversee. But you're, I'm, you're giving up what you've already built. What we have built is incredible. And I honestly think we're just getting started. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's a great answer. It's crazy, man. All right, dude. Well, listen, I want to have like four more podcasts with you. I think we could talk real estate for just, a really long time. It'll really go into like the 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 intricacies of multifamily and just yeah. how you process deals and what's a deal versus a dud. Yeah, and, yeah. Underwrite, um, but I do want to I do yeah. want to preface this for everybody watching this right now. If if you listen to podcasts like this, that means that you want more. You're trying to gain more skills, capabilities, control, freedom, happiness, joy, something. You're That's desiring right. more. And I love that. But the fastest way to do that is just get off your fucking couch, get off the 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 podcast and get involved. You know, it's like, you know, for me, like we talk real estate on here and I'm, I, I share some of our commercial projects, some of my single family projects. I can't tell you how many people reach out to me and say, well, how do I get involved in your real estate deals? Right. I think if you're listening to this and you want to get involved in Ryan and Grant's real estate deals, 
you should do that. Don't overthink this thing. Like the, one of the best moves he made was selling one thing and putting that money to work in something else or working as a pilot and taking that money and putting it into real estate. Real estate is the ultimate wealth building vehicle. Yep. You're in a game. You're playing a game that like, there's no doubt in my mind that if you guys keep this up, Ryan Seco will be a billionaire, yep. maybe a multi-billionaire. Yep. And you'll be able to have your own mega jet with your own awesome pilots right. where you are now the mate, the, the mentor, right. giving other people the shot. I mean, like in the cycle will continue and, and who knows what, that's why I asked what your future holds. You're so in it right now that yeah. I think you guys, you're, you're on the, you're on the ride. So you, you're not even thinking about anything else, but there might be a day where Cardone retires and you're the man. Yeah. And I can't wait to see that, dude, because I think uh, you deserve all the success that you've had because you've sacrificed a tremendous amount yeah. to yeah. get here and you're a very talented guy. Well, you're already the man. I'm already the man. And that's the beautiful thing about this, this, this new world we're living in is I don't think it's just about being the man. I think it's about hanging out with other men who want to continue to lift each other up. And that's why I wanted to do this with you is because what you're doing is so impactful. Like, like you don't have to do a podcast. You don't. Yeah. Like people don't understand this. Like you do not have to do a podcast. You're doing this because it's like, okay, how do I give back to what's very confusing right now? Headlines are very confusing. I stopped listening to them because I'm like, okay, what is this? What's this? What's it like? Like there's no leadership is very rare right now. And I think these podcasts are so important because if people really, really listen, they're going to actually apply it. And if they can apply it, that's how they're going to make their lives better. And they can get around people because they can identify the people who are speaking that same language you are the five people you hang out with. One million percent. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, Instagram, Ryan Seco, R-Y-A-M. My last name is spelled funny. It's T, is T is silent. So it's T-S-E-K-O. Uh, CardoneCapital.com. I mean, all my information's on the website. I mean, I'm pretty accessible. Um, it, it's, it's, it's very easy to find me. You've done a great job building your own personal brand too. I've fun. noticed the last year, yep. year and a half, like you've really done a great job. Dude, whatever you're doing, 10x that. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, next time we talk, you'll be like, yeah, we just crossed raising 2 billion, 3 billion. Well, Grant, Grant had told me, he's like, hey, look, he's like, I get that you're like aviation, you're flying, you're doing all this stuff, but people want to hear your voice. And, and people have, like, we all have a voice. And at some point in time, you have to share and you have to give back. Because we did the real estate that's called the Cash Flow King, where we went to different cities and we were like finding deals and looking at deals and helping people actually like buy their first deal. And that's when it really started. I was like, you know what? You're right. And people, I mean, people. Is that going to come out on like Amazon, Hulu, some some platform? Or what, what's the plan for the reality shows? It probably will. We're trying to control it. I mean, obviously content is very, very valuable right now from an ad standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. So either GCTV, which is Grant Cardone Television Station, uh, or, you know, Roku or, or, or Netflix or, you know, Apple. One of these companies will pick it up. It just depends on, you know, who. Well, and if, I, and if we I filmed the, the whole deal. pilot with, uh, for, for Grant Cardone Productions or whatever you guys call it. So can you whisper in somebody's ear to get that damn show cut and put on the air? Well, because you did one, right? I you, did one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got the call from, uh, GC, from, yeah. from uh, Jared first. And uh -huh. then eventually, you know, Grant, Grant mentioned it. And it was like, hey, this is happening. We want you in it. Go film it. We filmed for a week. Yep. And that was the last I heard. That was about a year ago. So- yeah. It has, I think it has legs. It, it was a cool concept, cool yeah. pilot. Yeah, yeah. They all have legs. It's just now, how do you how do you get distribution and sell it? 
And we're going to figure that piece out. And when we do, I mean, dude, cool. you look like a star, man. I mean, look, you can't have these types of biceps and not be a star. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just really you know, working just, hard for my day when I finally hit the airwaves. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not just clever. You're, you're, you're a rock star. Yeah, sexy investor. No, you, you, I'm going you, back to my old Hotmail address, sexyinvestor69. Is that what it was? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can totally see it. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Hey, guys, go follow Ryan. Uh, make sure if, if you ever want to get involved in any of his deals, uh, do it. You know, I highly recommend that you do it because you're never going to go wrong parking your money in real estate with great operators. And these guys are buying great assets and they're great operators. So until next time, we're out of here. Take care. Comb your hair. Peace. Hey, Cody Sperber, the original Clever Investor, host of the Clever Investor Show podcast. And I'm shooting this ad right now to let you know that this podcast exists. It's finally out and we have some amazing guests. So please, I'm begging you. Can you just come and give our podcast a listen? I've been doing real estate for a really long time. I've accessed some of the coolest people in the world. We were having all these amazing conversations and I'm like, what are we doing? Let's record this and actually put it out on a podcast. But the problem is I have to let people know about it. That's where this ad comes in and this is where you come in. You're going to be able to learn from successful entrepreneurs, get in-depth interviews from amazing leading experts. You're going to learn real estate investing strategies and tactical training strategies that work in today's market. We're going over market analysis and different market predictions. You're going to be able to engage in an awesome community. And we go into some pretty deep dives on the mindset of what it takes to win the game of money and in life, plus lots of bonus resources and exclusive content. So what you're going to want to do right now is click the link that you see on your screen and give the show a subscribe today. We have amazing guests like Ken McElroy and Robert Kiyosaki and Wes Watson and Pace Morby and Jamil Damji and Vina Jetty and a whole host of amazing men and women entrepreneurs that you're going to love to learn from and get to know. So what you want to do right now is click that link and give the show a subscribe today.